Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 187 for Monday, April 4th, 2022. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixel Riffs, and joining me as always is one Joel Duggan at a time. Hi, Joel. <laughs> that feels like my progress on the Citadel this past weekend. We'll get into that in a minute. Rate of one uh, Joel you, per Joel. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to hear a little bit more about what we've been up to on the weekend, including exploring new games via streams, crossover gaming demographics, etc., you should listen to The Render Distance. That is the extended version of the podcast that Johnny and I record every week. You can get that at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks by becoming a member. And it is the first episode of the month and we like to send out a huge thank you to all of our patrons for your ongoing support. That support this month also means that coming later on, our Discord members can look forward to the 2022 Q1 quarterly hangout, the April Minecraft hangout. We're still above that goal. And of course, the chunk mail dispenser later on this month. For the quarterly hangout and the Minecraft hangout, you can just look for times and dates in the Discord over the month as we try to figure out when those are going to be scheduled. But don't worry, you'll get a, a tag uh, we'll be announcing it in the announcements channel in the Discord. And very excited to hear what everybody gets up to in Minecraft for the month of April. The Hangouts are one of my new favourite things that we're doing, actually. So really excited to uh, have another one lined up for April. Uh, speaking of which, what have you been up to in Minecraft this week? How's the Citadel? So this week I have been working on what I hope was going to be the final streams on the, um, the Lowtown build that I've been doing. And... As often happens in Minecraft, things just take longer than you expect. Uh, I have been working on inside details and builds. I've uh, been using my uh, tables and chairs data pack as well as the uh, mini blocks data pack from Tweet, uh, Vanilla Tweets and uh, decorating things like little bakeries. Uh, this is like the poorer part of town. So the good news is it's fairly simple inside. It's like bed, chest, that's you're kind of done maybe a chair uh, unless the build has a very specific use uh, i had a, a storehouse in the middle of the the town that needed some extra things so did some cool stuff with having a, a big crate with like putting o's on signs to look like rivets or nails in the in the side of crate supports um beehives look great as storage things so exploring all kinds of different stuff there uh also working on the road and uh trying to make that feel um beaten down but also stone so it's not all dirt anymore that is the kind of thing where i just like there was more decisions that i was prepared to make this weekend so uh, the road and a couple of other details on the street market uh, are coming later however i am really happy with some of the off the cuff decisions so i went into building the street market with no plan i didn't have any references i just kind of said i've seen these built by people before but i don't have an image in front of me and i included a couple of market stalls that were on angles and we're talking they're three or five blocks wide so like mm -hmm. i was pretty impressed that i was able to pull pull that off and still have it look good i uh, was able to work in some red sandstone and acacia so still like earth tony colors but not yeah. everything is brown mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. makes me happy yeah um and then the other thing that i worked on was um bringing in i guess it's a half moat it wasn't planned but i had this big swash of green between the south gate and and low town that just looked like 
it made it easy to get into the town. Like you just kind of go around the corner, you know, swim for two feet and you're inside. So I decided to create like a bit of a half moat that makes the road into low town or into West Hill feel a little bit more special. It has, uh, it looks like something you could fall off of. It doesn't look like something that you can cross very easily. Uh, I mean, you can as a player, but like, it doesn't look it. Uh, and so I had a lot of fun adding some greenery, decorating the riverbank, using some different like, soul sand and soul soil for mud and i i had a really good time it just took a really long long time on stream because you're dealing with like you have to have an inventory of 30 blocks on you to do most of the stuff yeah and yeah so there's a lot of running back and forth now thankfully um you can't see it in the renders that i shared in our live chat but thankfully my my shulker box island was directly under the arch of the south gate so like i didn't have far to go but i got real sick of running back and forth <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I just as short as it was for distance I'm just like eh, I'm kind of done with this now you know you get all the way over to some build which is not long it's like 50 blocks away and you're like oh, I forgot grass <laughs> yeah <laughs> back I go <laughs> so that kind of stuff took a while but it was fun like I just it there's a really nice feeling when you get a section of this kind of a build done and then you're walking back and forth across it and it's got all those details in it. You're like, okay, this, this feels, this feels pretty good. Um, except for when you fake yourself out with a faux creeper build. So I wanted to make a, a fishing dock or someplace. Somebody suggested like, it looks like a spot where someone might go to do their laundry in the river. And I thought that's a really cool idea. Mm -hmm. I should make it look like it's functional. So I put a, a fence post with a spruce mini block on the top of it. And at nighttime, it looks like a creeper like <laughs> right yeah i so can see that cor corner of your eye you just like what? oh no it's fine it's fine it's not a, it's just it's a thing that i built 10 minutes ago <laughs> but yeah i yeah caught myself at least twice on stream doing like the double take there's no hiding it the mouse totally went what? <laughs> so yeah it was a good weekend though there's a pretty pretty straightforward like instinctive identifier of a creeper. It's thin. It doesn't have arms. It's got a head. That sounds like a creeper to me. Wait a second. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. fun. Now I I like the um the the screenshots you've got here. There's like a pulley system to transfer oh, yes. like a crate across the the half moat kind of area. I assume you were talking about. And I I really like that. It kind of reminds me. One of my favorite comfort movies is A Knight's Tale. Um, the Heath Ledger movie and yes. just the scene towards the end of that where they are ostensibly crossing the channel to go back to London but in the fiction of this world they basically have like a raft that is pulled along like a ferry kind of thing on this chain that a dude is just like heaving over his shoulder and it, it allows them to make the crossing from Europe where most of the movie takes place back to England and it's just this big long chain that the guy is carrying and it it kind of feels a bit like that the kind of the medieval technology of it all being just a a long chain between two giant kind of pulley systems really makes a lot of sense and that that looks like really appropriate technology for the era you're trying to invoke while still feeling like technology to the people who are there that's cool Thanks, man. Yeah, I was really proud of that build. Uh, it's it's one of those things that just works enough in Minecraft for it to be um, something that is sold visually, especially if you're not too close to it, because it 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 just feels like the um, the weight of the crate needs the heavy pulleys, which are um, grindstones. People mm -hmm. use grindstone for pulleys and stuff all the time but, but yeah i i wanted something there because that's natural land so the river actually makes this big snaky curve around that area and i wanted a gate there for the town because it made sense for the the inside the town for people to have access to like the riverbank which that side of the river hasn't been decorated yet 
but I didn't want to put a bridge there because that defeats the purpose of having a main gate with like a portcullis and like all the support and things like that. So um, I, I wanted to have something there that says, well, it makes sense that there would be access to crossing, but maybe it's not people. Maybe it's just goods and things. Because yeah. like the people that are, are fishermen and stuff in this low town, maybe they're shipping stuff, you know, because the other side of that gate on the main town actually is very close to the uh, East Market. So like mm -hmm. maybe the fish or the baked goods or whatever is going up the, you know, up the, um, up the, the road into the market. So I don't know. It just, I haven't, it's not all like completely worked out, but I try to have a lot of intention behind everything that's in the build. But thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Just those little details often really make the, the story of an area like that for sure. So what have you been up to, my friend? This week, I have done all of the progression stuff in Minecraft that I've been putting off for a little while. So I fought the Wither, I got myself a beacon, I've done a beacon strip mine at stone level, not at deep slate level, obviously. But I, that was a, a fun way of opening up the conversation about whether strip mining for stone is really worth it in terms of acquiring resources when you know you're not going to get as many diamonds as you do further down in the world and spoiler alert i think it's still worth it i i did a bit of looking around at all of the ores and stuff that were out there but there's a lot of stuff that you can still find at you know y heights of seven or eight roughly where i was because of the the transition into the deep slate layers so i i ended up taking a, a couple of screenshots which maybe we'll share in the show notes i'm not sure quite how illustrative some of this stuff is but there's still diamond ore down there and i managed to uncover maybe five or six different veins of diamond ore it got me maybe you know 17 or 18 blocks of diamond ore all told so i think that's still pretty good and you're also getting a decent amount of iron some coal where the coal has started to drop off when you get that low in the world but then there's gold, there's copper, there's like a whole bunch of resources that are still there. And some of that stuff is stuff that tapers off as you get further down into the world as well. So having done the moss mining chunk where I dug out like a large area vertically, this was a chance to dig out a large area horizontally and had a lot of fun with that. Managed to get myself a ton of cobblestone, which I've mentioned before is something that I still think I need to go and periodically mine because... Without that, I don't have the materials to make redstone components, which can't be made with deep slate. And we don't tend to mine as much in the stone layers anymore. So managed to fill up my storage system with cobblestone, with natural stone, a few of the decorative stone types as well, and got a decent amount of ores to uncover just for the sake of finding out if they are still there. Um, that necessitated making a shulker box unloader to drop everything off because I had about nine double chests of resources by the time I was done. So I was transferring all of that back to my storage system in shulker boxes and thought I should probably have a redstone system to unload all of this to make it all less like I have to jump up onto this very temporary platform and unload everything into the chest so it makes its way into the storage system. So I was able to get a, a few different projects out of just the idea that I'd got myself a beacon at that stage now what do i do with it and shulker box unloaders it's been a while since i've done one but you can depending on what you put underneath them you can empty them at speed i think right can you put a hopper minecart underneath a shulker box yeah i mean absolutely you can you, you've just got to yeah. make sure that the hopper minecart drains into something else of equivalent speed otherwise it's not going to be super worth it i think if you've got it over a pad right. of like four hoppers that are all draining down into different things then absolutely you can but in my case it's, it's more about just 
having something that will unload stuff in the background while I run around and do other things at my base. So it's right. It's, so speed not not super important. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, I, I I have plenty of time to just hang around and tinker with design stuff in in that storage room still. And I spent half of the time that this was unloading making a shulker box loader in the basement where all of the overflow from the storage system goes where there are items that aren't necessarily stored in the bulk storage stuff that's actually got filters attached to it. And that's now got a shulker box loader so that when all of the miscellaneous items and bits of like kelp and quartz and, you know, villager workstations and all of that stuff ends up going into that chest, I can now eject it as a shulker box and carry that around to the different cubby holes in my manual storage system and drop everything off in there so that's now feeling a little a little bit more automated it's something i'm a lot happier with and it was good to kind of revise that stuff because i expect i'm going to need to make a lot more shulker box loaders in the near future nice i i'm trying to think about the last time that i dug out like a, a chunk like not a chunk but chunks like that at at level i want to say it was my witch farm and yeah. i don't think i've had to do it since so you're probably good for a while. I'm going to be good for a while. I think if I was planning a larger project like a castle, I'd be doing stuff like this on the regular to get a lot of stone. But a lot of my building this time this time around in this world has skewed a little bit more kind of modern. Um, I'm, I'm leaning that way at least. And the stuff that I'm building in my dripstone cave base isn't going to rely heavily on the stone palette because there's already stone everywhere. I want to build stuff that stands out, not stuff that blends in. So mm. I think, yeah, for now, I'm, I'm at least going to be focusing on gathering a few other materials here and there. Um, as far as other materials go, though, a lot of them are now represented in the room above my storage system, which is kind of where the shulker box loader was built. But I wanted something to decorate this room. And... I'm planning on it being like a trophy room for my achievements throughout the series, whether it's, you know, that's where the dragon egg is going to go. I'm probably going to put my first wooden pickaxe in there. We'll commemorate some of the trickier advancements and stuff like that. But I wanted to do something community focused as well. And in the past, I've done fundraising streams for various charities. Um, this last weekend, like, like I guess like Thursday, I suppose, um, uh, one of the streamers who I follow online uh, runs... A, um, a place in Northern Ireland called the Belfast Trans Resource Centre um, and she's been running that for a, a few years and was doing a fundraiser to reopen after their closure due to COVID. So um, I helped raise a bit of money for that and when people donated I was having them basically DM me their receipt on Twitter to show that they donated as like proof and then I was choosing a block of, you know, of their choice to put up on the wall and create basically just this like wall of donations in block form and with people's signs kind of names up on signs and that kind of thing and so now i've got this wall that's made out of a ton of different blocks and banners and items and like amethyst crystals growing from it and stuff and i'm really happy with it it's a really nice colorful piece that i'm going to have up in there for the remainder of the series and i think it was really cool to do some not necessarily like design because i couldn't anticipate what people's blocks were going to be but trying to space them out a little bit so it just like it looks like this big jumble of color almost like you know graffiti style where the colors all just kind of leap out at you so i had a lot of fun doing that and people were pretty inventive in their block choices as well there were some there were some tricky ones in there luckily i had a bunch of them already and people were kind enough not to say like full netherite block or whatever um yeah but there was almost a bidding war for a wither skull at one point which was pretty funny but uh yeah, there's a there's a couple of extras in there, including one that's a um, 
a water source block, which it turned out was quite difficult to attach a sign to, but I ended up waterlogging a trapdoor in the end, and that worked out pretty well. That's great. I mean, it looks fantastic and really well balanced. Like you did a really good job of like, like you said, spreading out like the yellow blocks are all not next to one another, you know, like that Thanks. kind of stuff. It, yeah. it still feels, and you're right. The graffiti is what I thought of. Like it, it's, it wasn't the word that came to my mind. It was like, this looks familiar somehow. Like the feeling of looking at it reminds me of walking by some of the, the warehouse walls down by the train tracks here in Dartmouth that have a lot of graffiti and stuff on them by different artists. And while they're all vastly different, you still so, sort of still get the same vibe as you walk by, you know? Yeah. Very, very yeah. cool. It's, it's too bad that you had to use science and everything like there's too bad there's not a way to put names on things in minecraft without the signs because then it would be really vibrant because you wouldn't have the, the signs covering things yeah I, I was trying to pick signs that fit the materials as best i could or stuff that would stand mm, out mm -hmm. against the background and still kind of give it like a bit of a pop of color but i think a lot of them knowing what we know about minecraft and being as in-depth as my community is we know what most of these blocks are to begin with um and i was planning on maybe seeding a little bit more of the azalea leaves and stuff in there just to kind of fill the whole thing out because immediately to the right of that if you turn 90 degrees i've got a moss wall that's got copper in the background and so there's moss and azalea leaves and a few other different types of leaf in there that it kind of gives this whole place a kind of modern green feel that really suits the exterior of the build, which is a bit more modern and kind of like clean lines and curves. And so I think inside it's really nice to have this stuff. And you can see this through the glass from the outside as well. So it's super nice to have a, a pop of color in there. The signs don't render in at a certain distance as well. So I think you can actually see some of this stuff from, uh, uh, nice, from, yeah. from a little further away without the signs getting in the way. Um, the last major event this week was on Friday, which was April Fool's Day. Um, I was invited by uh, Bruno Danoy and uh, Ulraf to participate in a special bonus live stream where we were checking out the uh, one block at a time snapshot, uh, which we'll cover in the news. So I'll, I'll say a bit more about that later. Cubfam135 also joined us. And that was hilarious. Um, so if anybody hasn't caught that yet, there's an edited version of that up on my YouTube channel. The full version is also on my VODs channel. And it was just nonstop laughter from start to finish. But uh, more to say about that as we get into the news. So uh, Mojang Studios released a new astonishing update on April 1st. Snapshots 22W13, one block at a time, was added. We'll have a link to the article for that in our show notes. This was, of course, the April Fool's snapshot. And there is a YouTube video accompanying it titled Leaked Mojang Studios Video Reveals New Minecraft Java Snapshot. It's a lot of very funny footage of Ulraf, uh, I think, um, basically, you know, hacking his way through a new concept for Minecraft, which was taking the idea of players affecting one block at a time, which uh, uh, Jeb talked about at the most recent Minecraft Live, taking that concept a little too literally. So the changelog is that they fixed all inventory issues by removing the inventory and subsequently made the whole world into a player inventory space with up to 14 quintillion inventory slots. They also removed experience and enchanting while they were at it, fixed the MC-4 bug by having no items on the ground, uh, the drops are now droppier, the chest excitement factor is now improved, the ability to throw stuff was added, glass was 50% more realistic when thrown, they've added wrestling moves as an alternative to leashes, reworked the combat experience because it was hard to create a more immersive gameplay experience, and there are a few sneaky blocks in there as well. 
Uh, we'll unpack a bit more of that a bit later because I have some fun stuff to share about this. But moving on to the real snapshot, Minecraft Java Edition Snapshot 22W13A was released just before the April Fool's snapshot, actually, uh, which adds the Alay mob and Ancient Cities back into Minecraft Java Edition with this snapshot. Alays, as I'm sure you folks are aware, are going to collect all the surrounding items that match the item they're holding. Alays like a player who hands them an item and bring the items they collect back to their liked player. If the Alay hears a note block play, that note block becomes the Alay's favorite for 30 seconds, and it will stay near the note block for the duration to bring the collected items there instead of to the player. Interacting with an Alay with an empty hand removes the item the Alay is holding, so you can take back those valuable items, and you can currently find them in pillager outposts and woodland mansions. Ancient cities now spawn in the deep dark biome again. In chests guarded by skulk sensors and shriekers, you can find the new swift sneaking enchantment. You can also find uh, the mysterious new reinforced deep slate block there, which still cannot be obtained in any way in survival. And you'll also find that mobs do not spawn there, give or take the warden. There are a few differences with Ancient Cities compared to the Deep Dark Experimental snapshot where they were first introduced. A few adjustments have been made with new and tweaked structures, which we'll talk about a little later. Loot tables have also been adjusted, so the Ancient City loot is looking maybe a little more favourable for players. This includes a separate loot table for icebox structures. Uh, there are changes in 22W13A as well, including that the recipe for a minecart with a chest, or with a furnace, or a TNT, or with a hopper, are now shapeless recipes. They're no longer required to be made exactly the right way. When broken, each minecart variant drops itself as an item instead of splitting into two items like the chest and the minecart as separate items. Only wool and wool carpets will now block the sounds coming from note blocks. They've added a new advancement trigger, kill mob near skulk catalyst. There are a few changes to skulk shrieker block states and they've renamed some in-game events to be more consistent grammatically with a few other bits and pieces already in the code. The Bedrock Edition Beta and Preview 1.18.30.32.33. The Bedrock Beta Preview article will be linked in our show notes, posted on Minecraft.net this week instead of posted on the Feedback Hub, presumably because it is a big update with the Warden and Ancient Cities being added. Most of the additions mirror what we've covered already recently on the sponge chunks in the Java snapshots. However, it's worth noting that some known issues like ancient city structures can extend far beyond the deep dark biome, even though they start there, and aquifers can sometimes intersect with ancient city structures and submerge or destroy big chunks of the structure. Gameplay fixes of note include that mobs with knockback resistance, example the Ravager or Zoglin, now receive less knockback when hit by an Iron Golem, fixed end city feature generation in the end. Again, you can review the full article on Minecraft.net. So let's talk about the uh, snapshots and I guess to a certain extent the Bedrock beta first because then I'll unpack some of the stuff that we found out in the April Fool's snapshot, which, um, yeah, I, I don't know if you ended up looking at the April Fool's snapshot much. No, uh, I I don't know. I, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I'm not a big April Fool's fan. Never have mm -hmm. been. Specifically yeah. the internet uh, on April Fool's. And I, I want to say I do enjoy the fact that Mojang fully embraces the April Fool's thing because it's obviously a joke. Yeah, they're not yeah. trying to fool anybody. They're that, just having some fun. 
I right? saw I saw a really good tweet about this that I've tried to internalize what it said because it was something like there are two things that happen on April Fools. There are jokes and there are people telling plausible lies. <laughs> and that's the the second one is the one I don't like. It's the kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, but basically you're just telling a lie and then being like haha gotcha whereas the joke side of things is clearly what Mojang is trying to embrace and yeah, they they're doing everything very tongue in cheek. So I think the April Fool snapshot was kind of pitch perfect this year. Uh, but anyway, let's go back to 22W13A and talk about the LA and the ancient city stuff. What do you want to dive into first? So uh, let's start with the LA because I, I did watch um, a, a bunch of, of Cubpan, who you mentioned earlier, uh, exploring the LA and trying to see what different mechanics in, and what, you know, kind of really testing the limits. And uh, I was kind of coming to the same conclusion that that he was. And that is, I it it seems cool. It looks like a cute companion, but... I feel like it needs a little bit more development before it really becomes useful for the player, which I know opens the can of worms of like, does everything have to be useful? Can it not just be a fun companion? But I would draw, you know, your attention to things like dogs that attack skeletons, cats that scare away creepers. Like there is still some useful in Mm -hmm. the other companions, parrots, not so much. Um, But with the Allay, the idea behind them is the fact that they can collect these items and then take them to a note block that can hopefully then be collected by the player somehow. Uh, the first thing that I noticed was that the toss mechanic, while funny, is wholly inaccurate. Uh-huh, yeah. You might as well be just, it might as well be called the barf mechanic because it just kind of like walks up to the, the note block and kind of goes like, eh, this is kind of good enough and kind of just throws things everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And uh, while while entertaining to watch, I, I can see it being quite frustrating for people that want to use the LA in any kind of specific way. Yeah, if it needs to be more precise for people to really mm. get the the mileage they want out of it and, and have it be... Uh um a, a useful thing as far as technical stuff goes without you having to put like a whole pad of hoppers around something that yeah. you wanted to collect for you yeah because the idea of the note the the ela bringing it to the note block but then spraying the items anywhere in the near vicinity you can't put things next to one another like you're going to have LAs coming up to two note blocks and like they're going to miss and you're you're going to have to have a filter system anyways like, well then what's the point if you have to filter the items that the LAs are bringing in then you're kind of just I don't know. I feel like you're kind of creating more work for yourself. Um, the the fact that you'd have to constantly ping the note block as well because the LA forgets the note block after like 30 seconds. Uh, it kind of, to me, defeats the work that's gone into making the LA be an appealing mob. So like it flies around, it's cute. It makes little cute noises, which was hard to hear when I was watching, but like often the streams are ducked and stuff. But uh, the the fact that you'd probably want to have this 15 plus blocks away from you if you're in your main base is is probably true because you just don't want to listen to the dings of the the mm-hmm. note blocks and the LA doesn't register the note block unless it makes a noise so you can't mute it with wool and have it activate and have the LA still go to it and the LA has to hear some sort of note come out of it so uh that to me is is I don't mind the mechanic. I just feel like the fact that it forgets after 30 seconds like well that's not horribly useful, you know. Yeah. Um I know that building a clock and and adding some player activity and things like that do create more gameplay around that, but I just kind of wonder whether it could be a a longer interval or if it would be something else that that you could have to still do, like something to still entice the the LA, but maybe even if it was silent, maybe that's a good way to go. I don't know. Um, The the last thing is uh, their speed. They take their sweet time when uh-huh. they're moving around which in some cases might be a bug like i saw some situations where like the la would pick up 
an item and go in the exact opposite direction of the note block for like 10 or 15 blocks before turning around and coming back, it would still do its job. But it was like the, it was the, it was the epitome of like a six-year-old dawdling on the way to school. You know, mm-hmm. it was yeah. just kind of like, oh, look, a tree. It's a nice tree. And, and then it would just turn around and do what it was supposed to do. And uh, so th- there are some personality traits there, which is kind of cute, but I don't know if it's intentional. So I don't want to come down on it, on it too hard. Um, but Cub Fan, when I was watching his video, uh, he was really testing it. It's like, okay, let me let me play Minecraft like I'm on Hermitcraft. I'm trying to get some stuff done. I'm running around like a, a, a you know a crazy bat, and the LA just couldn't keep up. Yeah, um, there there was some technical stuff um, in terms of how the LA was tagged when you're using it in creative mode versus if it was a survival situation. Right. Whereas yeah. they would just despawn or not follow or forget their commands. Versus in survival, they would follow him, but it would be so far behind that he was worried it, he was losing it and if this was a real survival situation these are so rare in the world that if you have one or two of these you don't want to be constantly looking over your shoulder like okay you're 100 blocks behind are you going to make it like is is something going to attack you between now like do i have to like sneak for you to keep up to me so while I like the concept of the LA right now, it doesn't feel super useful for the players that are going to be excited to use it for sorting non-stackable items, for helping them clean up after something, using them in farms, or even something as simple as like, it would be cool to have LA's just constantly taking a couple of items back and forth in your storage room, just for some atmosphere, you know, like just having little fairies, like putting away your stuff, not of any real function, but because they have to be constantly dinging you know um note blocks or it just like it limits what you can what you can do with them even if you want to treat them as like an rp experience yeah yeah i i'm hoping that this is a kind of situation where they haven't made the la absolutely everything everybody wants or the like, at least technical players want yet so that it doesn't feel like when they come to balance stuff, they're just nerfing it beyond all usefulness, right? Like, I kind of hope they're approaching Mm -hmm. this from the bottom up instead of from the top down in that respect and saying, like, okay, we're going to start out by maybe having a set of general mechanics that feel better if you're a casual player and you're taking things a little bit slower paced, but maybe let's kind of fine-tune some of that stuff later so that it becomes a little bit more dialed in for what technical players really think it will be useful for. I think it's really difficult because you don't want this thing to be the new catch-all solution to everything storage, right? Like, the idea is that it has its usefulness, but it doesn't just straight up replace a lot of the other systems that players have already spent a lot of time working on. So it's a difficult balancing act. And once again, I don't envy Mojang the, 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 the job that they have to make sure that the LA is valuable to players, but still not something that replaces everything else players would be doing with storage to begin with how do you feel about the look of the la like the how it looks how it moves the model that kind of stuff i think it's cool i think it's nice i think just to have it be a counterpart to the vex and it could have a more unique style of its own but i think they're still trying to keep it within the feel of existing minecraft stuff stuff that there feels like there is precedent for already they've had some pretty original designs with like the glare i feel like is one that wasn't necessarily 
related to anything that already existed in Minecraft. But then the copper golem would have been like a shrunk down iron golem, effectively. Like there's a, a lot of similarity between the two, even as far as the name and the metallic element to it. So I think the LA is kind of a happy medium between those. It's sort of like being the the light version of the Vex still makes a good deal of sense to me. Um, how about you? Are you kind of, you know, on the fence about the design? Well, it's it's a minor thing because I still I understand what they're trying to do with the combination of you know where they're found in the woodland mansions, how they sort of look like nice Vex or maybe what the Vex used to be before they were corrupted by illagers. Like I get that. Um, I just thought, especially after watching the Secrets of Minecraft, uh, the LA, a little fun video on YouTube uh, this past week, I and seeing the original. Uh, almost looks like a little ghost with tentacles or like a little floaty octopus that would fly around. <laughs> uh -huh. um, that to me feels, I don't know why it feels more Minecraft. I, I guess it's because it sort of looks like a slime with tentacles, you know. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of stuff that you might see in Minecraft Dungeons, actually. And and I feel like that might have been a fun way to go. And to poke a little bit back at the render distance um, in our pre-show conversation about Pokemon, uh, Hopip and... Uh, Chikorita, I hope I'm pronouncing those right. Sounds are right two, to me. Yeah. Are two Pokemon that have like propellers on their heads. And the speed issue I was talking about before, I think could be uh, changed up a little bit by if the LA moved around more like a hummingbird, where uh -huh. it would be flitting from, from location to location or still being cute. You know, um, think, I think is it Nico? Is that the name of the hummingbird from Pocahontas, the Disney film? I haven't seen I Pocahontas for the longest no, time, so I can't remember. Nico's the raccoon. I think Flit or Flick is the hummingbird. Anyway, um, cute character. Moves faster than snot you know, on mm -hmm. screen. Um, but I think that could be kind of fun, especially if you had something unique. Like we have weird looking things like, uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the name of the lava character that we can ride on. What's it called? Uh, Strider. Strider. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Professional Minecraft podcaster for the win. Uh, so the Strider weird unique and cool and fun uh and has some functionality and i kind of feel like you could have like you know maybe it's a little propeller that the alay sits on or maybe it's ears or wings spin around on top of its head i just i kind of feel like there could be something a little bit more unique but like i said i understand how they're trying to like maybe make it look like uh, a vex so I, mm -hmm. I get that yeah i still need to get some decent hands-on time with the alay myself i haven't really played around with it yet even when it came to bedrock so definitely something i need to catch up with this week um and thankfully some folks in our discord were kind of on it and they were posting some screenshots of the changes that have been made to ancient cities because i haven't had a chance to look around one of those either and this is really where this snapshot grabbed me because what they're doing with some of the additional rooms and structures that generate in ancient cities is creating areas where whatever civilization has created this ancient city in the first place they've been doing experiments with redstone and this ties back into something that we were talking about back in i think like episode 178 or something like that about how the jungle temple is a neat way of teaching players about a couple of different redstone circuits you have tripwires activating dispensers and you have a couple of levers linked up to sticky pistons creating this sort of secret chamber in one side of the temple and what they've done here is they've got ways to show you how to make pulse extenders using comparators. And they've got some old school redstone, which doesn't use repeaters, but uses redstone torches to turn off and on sections of a circuit. They've got um, 
you know, a series of redstone lamps to indicate when power increases and decreases through the comparator circuit. They've got something that demonstrates that redstone power doesn't travel through glass. There's a, a, a redstone and lectern interaction with a, I think, a comparator or a repeater just like coming out of the back of a lectern into a redstone lamp. And it's really great because these are esoteric examples of how the community has been using redstone for a while, but that's all happened through experimentation, or in the case of the lectern, when it was released, a bit of player feedback and a note in a changelog that said, hey, you can use lecterns for this. But unless you know that stuff beforehand, it's very difficult to find out as a you know, a casual player and as somebody who doesn't deep dive the Minecraft wiki about all of the stuff that they find. So I think it's really cool that they've started putting in more practical examples of redstone. And down to the fact that the ancient city even had those redstone lamps that were a really cool way of showing players the interactions between skulk sensors and redstone once they're able to explore an ancient city a bit more freely. And I think they've got, you know, both an example of redstone circuitry that players can learn from and also, it even adds lore ideas to the game. The fact that these the people who built these ancient cities were, you know, either conducting experiments with redstone to figure out how it worked, or they at least wanted to leave some practical examples around for whatever reason. And that's going to be a lot of fun speculating about exactly why they've done that. I'm with you on the lore. I think that's really cool. And I also agree that having more redstone examples like that in the world is 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 great. Do you think the ancient cities are the best place for that redstone showcase? <laughs> I mean, it's it's difficult when yes, they you know for players to find these, it may mean they have to fight their way through or or get past sneak past one of the toughest mobs that they've added to Minecraft. But it's that sense of curiosity bringing some reward to it, right? I think it's it's potentially something that once players understand the warden mechanic a little bit more, then. You know, there's there's additional piles of wool and stuff that have been added to the ancient city, which I think will also give players more of a clue about how they're supposed to make their way around and avoid being detected. And I think some of that stuff is going to be pretty pretty accessible once people understand what the warden does, um, which it, it will announce to you pretty dramatically when it comes up and one shots you with a single swing. So I think it's yeah, it, it's it's got potential. I do think. The structures themselves, yes, like the redstone mechanisms and stuff, could be present in other structures that are slightly more friendly to the player. But then this is all stuff that the player can still find out through interacting with the community and everything else. So there's, you know, a bit of give and take there. And if nothing else, redstone players, people who are familiar with this stuff already, will find the stuff a novelty that it's, you know, down there in the ancient city and some of the, the stuff that some of these players may even have designed back in the day um are actually now present in there like nembon and panda i think are the people who've been working on the redstone style of things and 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 including some of that old school redstone and they're you know redstoners and technical players from way way back in the game's past so very exciting to see them having their input here presumably in peaceful mode there will not be a warden but I'm guessing the ancient city will still spawn because yeah, those yeah, players I mean, would still want to mess with skulk sensors and stuff. And it's part of world generation. It's going to be a structure. So yeah, like it, yeah. it makes sense. And if you are, if you're interested in going down there in peaceful mode and checking stuff out, then yeah, ideal as a as a teaching tool, really. 
Um, as far as the other stuff that's in Ancient City so far, the loot is improving. Um, some folks did mention that they found, you know, the the treasure items that you're looking for when you go to desert temples and dungeons and stuff like that. So there are enchanted golden apples in some of them. There might be a bit of horse armor here and there. There's still some skulk blocks. There's still some, you know, skulk sensors and things like that. You're still looking for the swift sneak enchanted book. I think it's getting there. Um, but I'm still hoping for something else. And I've, I've been saying this over and over again, but... It's going to be a long wait, I think, to find out what, if anything, that reinforced deep slate frame at the center of a city does. So I'm hoping that in the meantime, there is something that's going to incentivize players to go down there and and look around for, for stuff. Swift Sneak is good. Now that I've played around with it a bit more, I do think that's something that would take me to the ancient cities. But I'm also maybe a more confident player, and I imagine a lot of people would want to stay the heck of the way from the Warden unless they had a very good reason to go there. So... We'll see. We'll see if there's anything else that Mojang has in mind to add to Ancient City loot. Uh, the thing that stood out for me, uh, as a, it was a small note in the snapshot, but I'm excited that Hopper Minecarts, yes, Hopper Minecarts, uh, break the same as chess boats yeah. now, mm-hmm. which I think is fantastic. And yes. and, th- and that's all of the v- variants, like the chest minecarts and like all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's... I mean, my rudimentary redstone brain has ideas. I can only imagine what the greater redstone community has up their sleeves. Yeah, no, and I I do think, for a start, it's going to be nice to be able to dispense those and break those automatically. That, like, adds a little bit of um, variety into what you can do with them. And it's also going to be nice to not have to recraft them, because I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever taken apart a hopper minecart or a chest minecart and gone, oh, okay, well, now I have... I can put the chest down over here somewhere and like I if, if I need a fresh minecart I just craft a fresh minecart because iron is relatively cheap at that point so I don't think anybody's actually needed hopper minecarts or chest minecarts to break apart unless in some very kind of like very specific circumstances um like an adventure map or something who knows but I, I do think it's um it's a, it's a really good change and also highlights the fact that that is what they want chest boats to do um because they're they're kind of aligning some of the other multi parts you know similar things like like minecarts and stuff with the idea that they break as one entity and so that means that potentially that's a change we'll see come to bedrock edition where chest boats currently break apart into boat and chest the same way minecarts have done historically um, so hoping that's the case because that means again more parity across the board for how we can expect these things to operate and that means that players can potentially use them for the same things i just like the idea of vertically moving minecarts with hoppers in them without having to like you can put them into an elevator or like break them into something and uh or as we mentioned earlier if the la becomes a bit more useful as a non-stackable item the hopper minecart is something that the LA could move for you. Like there's, yeah. there's some, there's definitely some potential there for sure. Um, I'm curious about your thoughts on wool blocks being the block that you have to use to mute a note block. Uh, do you think that there might be some frustrated builders out there who want to like stop note blocks from making noises with other things <laughs> rather yeah. than having to use wool? I'm yeah. I kind of think that's, I can I can think of a handful of places that I've used them that would be kind of a, it'd be kind of an inconvenience, you know, an aesthetic, um, what's the word, compromise to some of the stuff that I have built recently. Like I've definitely got a couple of note blocks that I'm using to activate my um, 
my shulker unloader the where i'm i'm kind of you know just grabbing another shulker box full of contents out of my storage system overflow i i tap a note block to do that note blocks are useful as inputs for any system that you want to activate with an observer because they only change the observer once instead of it typically redstone components have like an on and an off state and if you have both of those happen in short succession then that pulses an observer twice so people use note blocks for that a lot so that you can just right click on a note block it tunes the note block that's a block state change observer only picks it up once so you get one pulse instead of two personally i think that's you know that's a matter of convenience for what you can do with note blocks and as far as designing stuff around that goes it's not going to be the biggest pain in the butt it will be a period of adjustment i think but it's not going to be the worst thing and i can understand why they're doing it like for for consistency with like hey wool mutes sound that's something you need to internalize if you're interacting with the the warden stuff and skulk sensors and everything else so note blocks being added to that with wool around them yeah, it kind of makes sense to me. So tell us about your experience with the April Fool snapshot. Oh boy. Uh, so this is this is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we could have made this into a big discussion topic and it's kind of prompted our discussion topic for this week, but I'll, I'll say a little bit here up front. So I had no idea what they had done going into this. I got invited to join Ulraf, Cub and Bruno um, before they had published the snapshot changelog. And basically as soon as the snapshot was out, we went live and jumped into a multiplayer world Ulraf had set up where we could all play the game one block at a time. And the first thing I noticed was I don't have a hotbar anymore. Like, uh, there's no hunger, it was just hearts on the screen, and it turned out that a couple of the other UI elements had been moved around. But you broke a block, you held it basically directly in front of you with both your hands, and you couldn't break or pick up another block until you had put that block down somewhere else. You couldn't open your inventory, there was no E, you couldn't drop the item with Q instead. You either placed it, or if you right-click, you throw it. And so item yeeting was part of the changelog, and that's <laughs> basically what they did, right? Um, so the cool part about this was that basically every block became like a falling block in the same way that like you know you can launch a block of sand with a slime block contraption for example right right it was it was basically like players were doing that all of the time and so Olaf said okay let's build a house and so we all started punching down the nearest trees and throwing wood blocks in towards the area where we wanted to build a house and then one of us was hanging back to like arrange it into a rough box and we could only handle one block at a time until i discovered that the offhand still worked. So you could technically carry a second block basically like on one side of you, and then you could pick up a second block, and then you could throw whatever was in your main hand, switch the offhand block back to the main hand, throw that, and yeah, like you could do a couple of bits and pieces that worked around the one block at a time system. It was also the case that if a block like was thrown at you, and you, you could actually apparently... Uh, left click it out of the air you could basically catch stuff that was thrown at you but if you weren't quick enough to do that or if the server lag didn't allow for it the block hit you and it attached itself to your head so later on we were trying to carry like three things each by having one thing in the offhand one thing in your main hand and one thing on your head <laughs> and that was like your inventory was three blocks basically so it wasn't quite one block at a time by that point but that felt like you know we, we'd explored it to the extent of what we were uh, possible, what it was possible to do. 
Um, you can also what it's talking about with like you've we've implemented wrestling moves to help you move mobs around. You could pick up basically any mob and hold it above your head. And that included hostile mobs, although I don't recommend doing it with creepers because they do still blow up. Um, I also don't recommend doing it with piglins. But zombies, when they're riding you, couldn't attack you. And so we could run around basically left-clicking on all of the mobs and stacking them up on top of us in like a tower. And then you could just throw them all at once. And so when it got to nighttime and we didn't have any beds because we hadn't found sheep and we didn't even know how to craft stuff at that point without the inventory being there... We ended up just throwing all of the mobs into the sea, <laughs> which was the like a really funny solution. But um, yeah, eventually we kind of we worked through a few of the mechanics. Ulraf kind of hinted that crafting was a possibility, but we just wouldn't be able to do it yet because we couldn't make our own crafting tables. He did show us that fire and placing stuff around fire was now the way to smelt stuff. Like you can't interact with anything that has a GUI. A furnace wouldn't be helpful. We couldn't craft a furnace to begin with. So you throw gravel on the ground and some of the flint from the gravel basically sparks up a fire on anything nearby that is flammable. And it turned out that you could also pick up the fire. <laughs> so that was a, another bizarre revelation when Ulraf suddenly had the fire block like in his hands still burning. Um, but you could throw that down anywhere. And if you brought sand from a beach, if you brought ores that you'd managed to you know, punch your way through, uh, because basically everything had silk touch at that point. Like you could, if you broke a block, you collected that specific block. It wasn't like stone broke down into cobblestone anymore. You were still picking up full blocks of natural stone. Um, so we brought sand over to this fire and placing the sand blocks around a fire while it was still burning, turned them into glass after a couple of seconds. And so now our house had windows and it was made entirely out of logs. And then we decided we should go and explore a little bit more. Um, so eventually we found a, a crafting table in a structure that had one. So in this case, we found a pillager outpost that had a crafting table in one of the tents. And it turns out that crafting had to be done by throwing one of the items that you wanted to craft with onto the crafting table. So you couldn't just place it there. You actually had to use the kind of the kinetic falling, um, throwing mechanics in order to craft stuff. So throwing a log at a crafting table would turn it into a plank. And it was just one plank. It didn't break down into four. It turned out that the amount of blocks you put in was exactly the amount of blocks that you took out again, which is, is really weird to get used to, but it meant that when we were throwing logs at the crafting table we were only getting one plank each time but then when we decided to build we, we, we decided to make more crafting tables we kind of arranged three planks in an l shape around the crafting table threw the fourth plank in so it lands on the crafting table and the crafting table turns all four of those planks into four crafting tables <laughs> so it turns out that the way the crafting works is like blocks in equals blocks out. When we wanted to craft a bed using, using three wool and three wood, we got six beds out of that because they just replaced the block space that the previous ingredients were taking up. And so a lot of the crafting in it became much more about like material conservation than it did about just getting stuff out of the way so you could put it in your inventory. And it's something I realized later if you're talking about resource blocks in this game, if you throw a block of iron onto the crafting table, you get one iron ingot back because it's only one block that you've thrown on there, which seems a little bit weird until you realize that when you put nine iron ingots in the crafting table 
formation, you get nine blocks of iron out of that. <laughs> and, right. and it doesn't it doesn't break the game at all because any of those nine blocks that you throw back onto the crafting table to craft it back into ingots, you only get one ingot back. And so it preserves the amount of materials, but it's almost like in reverse so that the iron ingots are the resource block now, not the block of iron. It, it's very weird. And it took a while to get used to, but... I'm honestly going to spend a bit more time in the snapshot and make a few more videos from it this week because it it's like playing a different game. Like, every time they do something wacky like this with Minecraft, the same is true of the Infinity snapshot where suddenly every dimension that you would travel to was made out of different materials. It changes the way you think about resources because suddenly the stuff that you're used to being rare is abundant, suddenly the stuff that you're used to being abundant is nowhere. And... I always find that treating each of these as a new experience, as though you're playing Minecraft for the first time again, is really the way to go into it. And so I've challenged myself to like play a little bit of what I think of as survival Minecraft using these new mechanics. How difficult does it become to build a decent looking starter house when you have to work with the materials this way? You can't gather a ton of wood from somewhere and bring it to where you need to go. You have to basically use the resources from the area around you and it becomes more and more difficult to go out and get trees and and that kind of thing i'm having a bit of fun with it so far it's it's a lot to take in and the fact is it's there in the launcher forever now you can still play old april fool snapshots so it's definitely possible for you to play this whenever you want to in future it's just kind of hilarious that uh that was their April Fool's thing this year. But I do recommend it. I think it's a, a neat, refreshing way to think about Minecraft. And we'll get more into that in our main discussion a bit later. And like I said early on, I think it's great that M Mojang uses April Fool's to fool around and yeah. do some fun things and experiment in thing, like stuff that they could never really work into the game because one, it might mislead players and two, it's almost like a game jam, you know, like I, I feel like their April Fool's stuff is usually like, well, here's a bunch of stuff that we have as ideas, but they, they don't work in the game, but yeah. it doesn't mean that they're bad ideas or that they're not worth exploring. And I love, I love that they use the April Fool's opportunity to, to craft something like that. It's funny you should say that because Ulraf was explaining a little bit on the stream about where some of this stuff came up in the first place. And what they do every so often is they do a, a game jam internally within Mojang. They call it Mojam, where they just mess around with mechanics like this. And, and it, you know, they make stuff as broken as it needs to be to just demonstrate the concept. And they basically built all of this stuff on a specific branch of Minecraft that they apparently they internally referred to as Minecraft 3 because it was so advanced. Um, but then the the ideas all emerge in April Fool snapshots like this. And I think they've been keeping track of a bit of player reaction to some of this stuff to think, is any of this actually worth including in future mechanics? Like, are people interested in the kind of stuff that this, the, the ideas that this brings up? And so, yeah, potentially there is a chance that some of these mechanics might make their way back around to new additions in future if they're particularly popular with players. But yeah, Ulraf was saying that a lot of this stuff came up when they just thought, you know, there was some really weird arbitrary decisions that were made about Minecraft in the distant past, like all of the items should stack to 64, that the when you break a block, it basically turns into a smaller version of the block that you can pick up. And, you know, I, I referred back to, there's a really great video demonstrating this on YouTube, which I'll have to try and find. Back in the day, in like the in-dev days of Minecraft, 
back before things like furnaces had barely been cemented as a concept and that's how you smelted a lot of stuff it was possible to make chainmail armor and i think glass by throwing the items required to make them into a lava source and instead of destroying the items it would just smelt them and so there's a, a, a basically a video out there somewhere of somebody throwing a ton of sand into a lava source and it turns into glass like popcorn and then you just break the block nearby so that you don't have to get into the lava yourself and you just get close enough that the item entities magnetize to you and you pick them all up and there's just interesting ways in which minecraft could have gone if those mechanics were never really you know changed and developed over time into the minecraft we know today what do you say we move on to some junk mail yes let's do that let's do that so if you'd like to email the show, you can send your message to spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Please remember to indicate if you are a patron or not. It helps us file the emails as well as keep your emails short and to the point. First email is from Yuri, solving loud problems. Hello there, Johnny and Joel. I was thinking about the functionality of wool and skulk sensors with wool completely blocking Minecraft vibration from reaching the sensors. This mechanic could be really useful for one of the problems that Minecraft players have had to deal with for the longest time, loud sounds. You know, those farms with a lot of pistons making loud, annoying noises that you have to build far away from your base or turn off your block sounds in the settings, which breaks the game immersion. What if there was a block in the game or just regular wool block, if that makes sense, that was soundproof? It would block the sound from everything behind it, like tinted glass, an area has to be fully covered to be completely silent. Or maybe we can make some use of the 3D directional audio you've been talking about to make a dynamic sound system. Do you think this idea could be implemented in vanilla Minecraft? Thank you for the amazing show. My name has been Yuri and everything I do online, including, sorry, force a habit. Yuri blew himself up because he was frustrated with the annoying nether portal sound next to his base. <laughs> well, we've all been there with nether portals in particular. So yeah, that... That makes a lot of sense. The problem with nether portals, though, is that for your suggestion to work, you would have to completely block in your nether portal with wall blocks, and that makes it quite difficult to get to. <laughs> you basically have to install a noisy piston door just so you could get into the wall box that contains your nether portal at that point. So I do feel like this is a cool idea. Like, on the one hand, I'm totally on board. Like, it'd be great to have something that occludes, you know, irritating sound effects in Minecraft. And... There are definitely some mods and data packs out there that add volume sliders for individual sounds or you quiet them permanently in the case of vanilla tweaks is quieter nether portals they have a few other quieter resource packs that just dial down the volume on those sounds i i think implementing that kind of stuff in minecraft mechanically for whatever reason doesn't quite feel like the right way to do it and i i have a hard time exactly justifying why joel do you have any any thoughts on this that maybe put it in better words than i can find so again i like the idea um especially the comparison to tinted glass right because like tinted glass lets you see through it but it blocks light uh and maybe wool and glass together could combine into insulated glass which would let you see through it but then also block sound I mean, I that's <laughs> that's that's an interesting concept. I'm I'm, right. I'm trying to think of like real world equivalents, and it's basically like double glazing or whatever, right? That has like a a, a vacuum yeah. in between it, sort of. And I, I don't know if that's quite what we think of there, but like it it worries me on account of the idea that Minecraft has to be like relatively low tech, 
And I kind of wonder, how is the player really capable of making some glass that cannot have sound travel through it? Like, that yeah. that feels almost too mechanical of a process. And I know, yeah, we, we can craft beacons and stuff like that, so suspend your disbelief only as much as you want to. But mm-hmm. I, I, I do think it it feels a little bit too high-tech in a way. Maybe that's what's feeling wrong about it for me. So to go back and even just use wool blocks, I think they've done a really good job of illustrating how wool muffles sound in the ancient cities. They've given you stacks. They've There's paths of wool around the outside that mm-hmm. kind of you know give you the idea that you should maybe do that. And so maybe you don't have to encase something 360 degrees, but maybe 320 degrees. You know, like if you had all four walls of your house minus the door made out of wool or because wool is not the most aesthetic block that everybody wants to build with. Maybe if it was inside the walls, like imagine the walls of your structure are three blocks thick. You've got whatever you want on both sides, inside and outside for decoration, but inside you've got wool. And if that was the case where it would then block most of the sound or all of the sound from the environment, Again, I don't know how that would work from a programming mechanic. I don't know if it's possible yeah. in vanilla mm-hmm. Minecraft, but but the idea, especially when you get into something like you know mini games or crafted player experience, like imagine you're you know doing an April Fool's plank on someone, and not only do you drop them into a room that is all one color, but it's completely devoid of sound. Yeah, right, like just dead <laughs> silence. You know, or dead silence except for the one thing you want them to hear, mm-hmm. which is a wither skeleton that maybe you're maybe chasing them or maybe not chasing them just rattling around in a cage you're like just stuff like that that's very distinctive to players i think could be an interesting thing to explore um but i'm i'm with you on the fact that you know like data packs that allow individual sliders is is probably more the way to go because then you could just control it once set it to where you want it and then don't worry about it again yeah i i think it it's it also feels a little bit like overkill to have a solution like this when the current solution is just walk away a few blocks like i I think with with certain sound sources like note blocks and jukeboxes you can hear them from a much wider range than you can things like pistons um and that's by design like you're supposed to be able to hear a note block or a jukebox from from further away um and there are some instances in which i think it'd be useful to yeah keep a few pistons quiet but from a design perspective i don't know if i really want to plan for those things by saying well now i also have to go and get like four stacks of wool to surround this noisy piston mechanic and i think it's a good trade-off in a way that occasional noise pollution happens for the convenience that noisy contraptions provide um yeah in a way i like the idea but it also i think maybe would have to be part of an overhaul of Minecraft's sound system in general that allowed it to feel more realistic. And as BreadTab is saying in our, our live chat, sound mechanics in Minecraft are very unrealistic. They don't follow the conventions of typical physics at all because you can hear a piston buried, you know, through several layers of stone and grass and stuff below you. And to implement a more realistic sound system in Minecraft, it'd almost be like implementing realistic lighting. It'd be like ray tracing. You've got to figure out which surfaces the sound is echoing off, what it's absorbed by, what it's refracted by. And I think at that stage, it just becomes far too complex a system for vanilla Minecraft, at least, to handle. Maybe in future, we start to see an immersive sound uh, thing pop up in the same way that RTX has been treated. And maybe then we start to realize perhaps why immersive sound isn't part of vanilla Minecraft to begin with. What's next in the mailbag? 
Our next email comes in from Mech Morphic with the subject of item teleportation and transportation. Hi Johnny and Joel, I've been watching DocM77 on Hermitcraft as of late, and, as you've mentioned on the show, he has been messing with some game exploits that allow him to teleport items from his inventory to a chest in the spawn chunks from anywhere in the world. What if there was an endgame mechanic that allowed you to pair two chests together so they have the same inventory but exist in separate parts of the world? This would allow you to place items into one chest while hoppers could either drain or replenish items from the paired chest elsewhere in the world, and breaking either chest would unpair them. I know there would undoubtedly be some technical difficulties with loading chunks across the world which might prevent Mojang from ever considering such a feature. Does this idea break Minecraft or solve long distance bulk item transportation? Mechmorphic fell asleep crying because he couldn't program a mod to add this to Minecraft. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll take the mod question out of the way right now. Ender Storage. Uh, if you're okay with modded Minecraft, I recommend Ender Storage. Uh, we'll have a link to that in our show notes if we can include that. It's to the FTB wiki, which explains it. And yeah, Ender Storage is the one I've talked about previously where you have a series of Ender Chests. There are color combinations that you can add to the top of them in like three separate colored strips. And anything with the same combination links to any other Ender Chest of the same combination. And I believe that allows for stuff like Hopper Interaction and stuff as well. But um, yeah, the first thing I thought of when we read this email was, with the exception of the hopper interaction, you're describing ender chests. <laughs> I mean, I get what you yeah. mean. You're, the ability to have multiple ender chests, essentially, and to have every player be able to interact with the same inventory instead of having it tied to player data. Um, of course, it'd be useful. The question really is, does this feel like Minecraft? Does this feel like something that Minecraft would do if the you know, technical coding implications and the chunk loading stuff wasn't a problem. Do you think that's feasible? Do you think that's something that we might end up seeing in Minecraft, theoretically? So I, I wonder if it's something that could be implemented that might end up with some restrictions that could still make it very useful, but might make it more of a mid-game, you know, sort of situation or maybe even end-game. So if it was possible, what, may, what I thought of was respawn anchors. And maybe you could tie, instead of making an ender chest, you could make a respawn chest or something along those lines. I don't know what the crafting recipe would look like, but I, my thought was that it would not be something very easy to do off the start. Um, also, maybe it's only something that works in the nether. Like maybe you can't transport items like this in the overworld, but you have to use the nether, which could be cool because if you can transport them distance in the nether and then somehow get them back to the overworld, then you've transported them even farther, right? Um, it just restricts you to doing it in a dangerous place. Uh, the other thing I thought of in terms of, you know, uh, time in versus reward out that we talk about a lot in the show, what if it's not free? Like what if in order for these, uh, we'll call them, you know, respawn chests to teleport items, they have to be powered by something in the same way that you'd, run a bamboo farm to power your super smelter right like it's a great thing in the game but it takes a lot of work to set up what if you had to put something into these respawn chests to then continue the item transport like uh redstone dust glowstone dust spider eyes uh, my brain goes to something renewable otherwise it's going to defeat the purpose altogether yeah. but mm -hmm. if you had a witch farm constantly pumping out redstone that was then fueling your respawn chests that were constantly setting items from that witch farm across you know to your base like that would be kind of cool and not an easy thing to set up like that would require quite a lot of time and calculation and I, maybe there's also a distance limit like maybe you can't go clear across the world but you have to go within 16 chunks which is still you know that's not a small distance you know 
Yeah, I think tying it to the mechanics of the nether and the 1 to 8 ratio that happens with nether portal transportation and stuff like that makes a lot of sense. I do like the idea of players having a means other than just fast player transport or mob transport through the nether to, to make sense for stuff like that. And I believe there are even technical players out there who are using nether portals to transport items, stuff like that anyway. Like, I've seen piglin bartering setups on the nether roof that eject their contents via nether portal into the overworld. And, you know, maybe that needs to be loaded on both ends by a player in order for it to function, but I think it's still kind of an interesting concept in the first place. Um, I agree that there needs to be some sort of trade-off for how convenient the mechanic is, like something that you're you're fueling it with in the same way that you are a um, yeah respawn anchor or something like that, because it, it seems too convenient otherwise. You can bypass a lot of stuff by just having inventory from one place turn up in another place. You can avoid any kind of sorting system, you know issues with like your know, long, long hopper chains or something just by having the contents of a chest at this coordinate warp to the contents of a chest in the other coordinate so i think there's yeah th there's a few things in it that are if not game breaking then at least they invalidate the efforts of a lot of people who've been doing other stuff in the technical community that does things like this already and I, I kind of wish at times that I was more involved with that kind of community so that I understood their attitudes to it, because I've definitely seen some occasions on which changes like this have been embraced by the technical community and others where they've thought, well, that just eliminates all of the hard work we put into designing this or that in the, the right. distant past. Yeah. I You could also limit the throughput, you know, like what if it's only one item at a time? I mean, that still means you can put a shulker box loader on either side of it and have like a, a shulker box go through that's full of stone. But yeah. You know, if it was only one item at a time, that would also create like, a, well, this isn't going to this is not going to be as fast as one of those giant, you know, sidecraft contraptions that's moving thousands of items a minute, you know, across great distances. But for the player that doesn't have those abilities as a redstone, you know, engineer, they could build this thing in game and at least move a little bit of stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's 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 potential for stuff like this i'm just not sure if it's the direction that they'd end up taking it in minecraft fun to fun to speculate about though and thinking about that this is where our main topic comes in because prompted by this april fool snapshot um and what we were saying earlier about how certain ideas used to be part of minecraft that no longer are or if you know if we didn't end up with a system of items shrinking down to be put in your player's inventory what would minecraft look like i kind of thought it'd be fun to have a, a chat about what established minecraft mechanics could have changed the game we know today if they had headed in slightly different directions and to help us come up with a couple of prompts for this uh, because it's really difficult to do this kind of retrospective thinking uh, we're going to be referring a little bit to the java edition removed features article from the minecraft wiki because this has a couple of really great examples that i think could have if they had remained in the game been really influential in how the game ended up being developed um, the first of which is player stats. So uh, basically near the top of the page, it says in an early in-dev version, when the player opened the inventory screen, you saw your player name and three stats, which were attack, defense, and speed. The values for all of these were set to 100. They existed only briefly, and then they were just removed because they were presumably placeholders for something that never ended up being implemented. So Imagine Minecraft with player stats that you had to build similar to an RPG or something like that. And I find that this functionality is actually fairly common in 
harder mod packs like RL Craft, where they exist to basically prevent players from leaping ahead in the tech tree. You have to be like level five before you can use a flint and steel or whatever. And I'm wondering what place that kind of stuff might have in vanilla Minecraft. Like, could it be tied to advancements or would that railroad players into following a progression rather than embracing the sandbox nature and just kind of going off and doing whatever. So, like, you've played a few games that presumably have, like, stats and stuff. You played World of Warcraft, I imagine. There's there's a decent yes. sort of stat system tied into that. Can you see anything like that ever working in Minecraft? The example that I see, and I don't remember the name of the mod, but it was it's something to do with your tools, where, like, the more you mine with your pickaxe, the more experience you get as a miner and uh -huh. therefore you can apply those features so rather than trying to like rather than the rng of the enchanting table trying to get you know uh, haste and or not haste that's a beacon thing but like trying to get you know efficiency and and uh, unbreaking and things on on your items you would put in the work and then you would have points that you can then assign and say well i want to give these points to this pick so it's my it's my fast pick or i want this to be the pick that i can then use to mine different items like i need a, a pick level 20 before i can mine obsidian that kind of a thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, i can see that being a way to slow down some of the the game rush that happens early minecraft you know when people want to go straight to the end um and i like the idea of leveling things up because i my world of warcraft days i like really you'd end up just buying something in the auction house most of the time i was looking for aesthetics but there would be some things that you'd want to kind of like pair together um i really like the idea of the sets of gear that you would get because like there'd be something very specific for like say my paladin and the gear would be beneficial to just the paladin it would have a specific look to it so if you like the look all the better but usually what it meant is that if you got the whole set then they would kind of buff one another so if you ended up having like a, a set of stats or stats from you know, like uh, if you, well, I guess it's similar to Minecraft Dungeons. Like if you want to play as a wizard, you pink up trinkets and you use armor that benefits your abilities as a wizard, you know, mm -hmm. or ranged attacks and things like that. Uh, vice versa, if you want to be tanky in the game, that could be kind of fun in Minecraft too. Like if you were picking up uh, enchantments or you were putting in experience on your boots because you'd rather be fast and shoot mobs from a distance or are you going to put more time and energy into your chest plate and your sword so that you can just walk up to anything and, and bop it on the head and move mm -hmm. on? Um, I think that adds a bit more to the sandbox if there's enough variety, right? Yeah. Um, rather than just a one track. Yeah, I, I think the problem with it is the emergence of a meta that usually ends up happening when it comes yeah, to this stuff true. and like players finding the one path that they think is the best to go down and then having to rebalance the game through all its many iterations since Indev when these stats even popped up in the first place to account for the idea that players have to have these skills that develop and, and what that means for them, right? Um, I, I feel like mechanics like that for a sandbox game like Minecraft's have their potential i mean if you, if you take a look at um pixark is another game that i've played and arc survival evolved has a similar system i believe where as you accumulate experience that's how you unlock crafting recipes right so you you level up in certain fields and that allows you to unlock crafting recipes or abilities that you know you can branch it into a skill tree from there and yeah you, you end up with a bunch of different abilities there but yeah i think in minecraft that becomes 
another slightly too bulky system unless it replaces something that we already know about like enchanting or like status effects if you if you have a more permanent haste buff or if you have a haste ability if you've maxed out some kind of mining stat then yeah maybe it becomes beneficial but then it's less possible to become a well-balanced player of the kind of stuff that i like to play where i'm trying to do everything in the game like it's it, it, it becomes a lot more of a difficult concept to balance for every single play style that's out there and had it been implemented early enough might have completely changed what we think of as Minecraft's playstyles now. So it's it's one of those things that's really difficult to imagine had it been invented then and developed into a bigger system, whether that would have retained the player base in the same way that Minecraft has for being a, a sandbox game that's a lot more open. I err on the side of the openness being the better decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's it's so difficult to say, but I want to say with the examples we've got here, they have mostly made the right decisions about all of these. And that really ties into the, the next thing I had in mind, which was health and hunger. One of the things that I noticed during the April Fool's snapshot was that health just slowly regenerated over time regardless, because the items that we were collecting, you couldn't eat any food, except for one occasion in which Ulraf had programmed in an easter egg where only he, only the person with the username Ulraf, was able to eat bamboo, based on like an in-joke that him and Bruno had, which was very cheeky of him <laughs> to do. But um, yeah, the, the fact that you couldn't eat anything, hunger had basically been eliminated from the mechanics that you needed and and the only thing you could do with like a chicken was you threw it like a frisbee <laughs> because it had no value and couldn't really be used to craft anything so yeah I, I i wonder what would have happened if health worked the same way as it used to back in the day when in earlier versions of minecraft when hunger wasn't implemented yet which i think happened at the same time as sprinting because of how closely tied sprinting is to the hunger system health used to be directly healed by food uh so without hunger and natural regeneration really being part of the system you had to kill a pig cook a pork chop and that was how you got back the majority of your health hearts and i kind of wonder if hunger had never been implemented how things would have changed because i think we'd probably have ended up with a lot more ways to gain either more hearts or temporary health because it'd be much harder to regain health around tougher enemies that passive regeneration mechanic that happens when you've eaten recently and you have high saturation still um allows your health to refill in the background so that you don't have to constantly eat while you're attacking stuff and i feel like without that we'd have to have some other way of artificially maybe increasing our health so that we could take on any kind of tougher enemies and imagining stuff like the warden which is you know pretty hefty as it is right now being implemented in a system where you couldn't heal via hunger and regeneration you'd have to heal through just chomping down a bunch of pork chops kind of difficult to imagine stuff like the warden existing at that stage i agree uh and i was actually thinking about this the other day I was playing Tunic. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but it's like a yeah. top-down RPG. Kind of fo Zelda -like Fox game. character, Zelda-like. Yeah. Fox mm -hmm. character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cute game. Really beautiful. Um, some interesting little mechanics. They don't... They It's a lot of puzzle solving, so it can be a little frustrating sometimes. Uh, however, the most frustrating thing about it, probably because I spend so much time playing Minecraft, is that I much prefer the 10 hearts of health and the auto-regen in Minecraft. 
I can still die in Minecraft. Like I can still get my butt handed to me by a couple of piglins and a slime of, or a magma cube if I'm in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Um, but I find that with Tunic, you essentially have like two to three hits and you're dead. Uh, you do not regen health on your own. You have the ability to have potions. You can only hold one at first, but you can increase your ability to hold like three potions. None of them, even all three of them won't get you up to 100% health. And yet you have enemies that will take you down by a third or more and they're not even bosses. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing like a, a boss run for like the third or fourth time and you happen to screw up on fighting a basic enemy and they hit you, you just, you feel like just resetting and starting over again, which isn't fun because you're like, I no longer have all of my health. That means I'm way less likely to survive this boss who hits like a truck, you know? So like the mechanic becomes, you just can't get hit at all ever. And I prefer the Minecraft stuff where like you can't get hit too many times in a row. Like if you're in a real bind, you'll die. But if you're handling one, you know, character at a time, one bad guy at a time, you're probably going to be okay. Now, in my case, I almost died to a spider this weekend <laughs> because <laughs> I was inside. I was doing a lot of running around back and forth to my storage and I was doing a lot of up and down, a lot of jumping off of roofs and things, building chimneys. And, and so I had like, my hunger was not happening. I was down to like three hearts or two hearts or something like that. And I was outside at nighttime because I didn't realize it had gotten dark and a spider came and started attacking me. And like, I just was off on my rhythm about when to hit the spider. And I was like, wow, I'm, I've got like a heart and a half here. I need to back away before I lose 137 levels in my mm -hmm. four year old Minecraft server to a spider. Yeah. So like. I, I'm not the best at combat in the game. I'm not coming at it from that that level, but I definitely prefer the fact that all I had to do was run, eat something, gain about a heart and a half, you know, from that golden carrot and watch it start to regen a little bit. And then all of a sudden have a sigh of relief and not have to worry too much, right? So yeah. I, I think they struck a balance in Minecraft. Yeah, I, I sort of wonder if the hunger system was never implemented, what they then end up doing with food. Like, I, I think because it, it allows food to expand a bit more if you have the hunger and saturation mechanic and there's a bit of a trade-off there, you're not just adding foods for the sake of it. And I was wondering if they might have introduced stuff like status effects earlier in development. Like, if you ended up with not just food giving you, you know, a health regeneration or whatever, like, effectively eating a pork chop was like a potion of healing, but if different types of food started to give you status effects and not just in the suspicious stew kind of way where it gives you three seconds, like, if maybe food gave you a strength buff or something like that so that you were able to hit back a little harder, or if it gave you resistance so that you'd end up with better defense. And that might even have tied into the player stats idea if that was also a thing. So it does kind of make me wonder how food could have changed if, if health had remained the sole thing deciding whether or not your character lived and died, give or take the, uh, the hunger stuff. Um, the last thing I wanted to touch on, again, because this was prompted by the um the the april fool snapshot is not necessarily something that was ever removed from the game in fact it exists in a couple of really interesting ways but i wonder if maybe the game had gone down the path of including more stuff like this how it would have ended up and that's multi-block crafting of the kind like the april fool snapshot where we had to throw a bunch of items in together and that's not too dissimilar from features like the wither and like beacons which were both added relatively early in development they were both came out in uh update 1.4.2 so we're talking like eight years ago now i think 
Um, and they're both tied to the idea of constructing something out of blocks, which either transforms or only works when it's constructed properly, like the beacons do. And you do, of course, see the same mechanics working with iron golems and snow golems, both of which are constructed out of blocks and a carved pumpkin. I think the most recent example of this is probably the conduit, right? Um, and so the April Fool snapshot basically turned crafting into something like building an iron golem or a, or a wither. And down to the point where, you know how sometimes if you're building an iron golem, if you're building it on like a plains biome or wherever, and there's one piece of grass that's occupying one of the air blocks either side of the T-shape of iron, it won't make an iron golem because there's technically a block there that it detects and goes, no, I can't put something here. The same thing was happening with crafting in, in the April Fool snapshot. And it, it gets finicky, but at the same time, I really like how tactile it is. Like, building something like that, any, any kind of, like, multi-block construct is is really interesting to me. And I'm wondering if that mechanic still feels like it has a place in Minecraft going forward, or if everything's going to be sort of one block and crafting and that kind of stuff. Um, I understand the difficulty in providing practical examples, and prompting players how to do that stuff beyond just experimenting. But we see stuff like what they're adding with Ancient Cities now, prompting players to use redstone components in certain ways. And I wonder if something like that reinforced Deep Slate frame in the Ancient City also has a mechanic like that in mind, where all of these blocks have to be arranged in a certain way for it to do something specific. Do you want to see more of that in Minecraft? Do you want to see multi-block crafting used in ways like that or do you think it's better to just have players you know condense everything down into crafting systems like the crafting table or the villager workstations i think the crafting tables and the villager workstations are more straightforward they mm -hmm. certainly you learn how to do things early on on the crafting table and i don't think there's much in game to really indicate to you how to use a beacon yeah i mean the the gui is the tricky thing because in the i mean the crafting table you have a recipe book now so crafting becomes a lot less esoteric but with beacons right. you're i i went through this in in my recent episode actually you're kind of prompted about what materials to use to activate the beacon by there's like a list of five right. of them effectively next to that beacon slot and that in a way is supposed to hint that the pyramid diagram that you see on there should be built out of blocks of those materials like you make Correct. that connection but again it's not a connection that natively like intuitively comes to the player i do feel like that might be something that is still passed down the majority of it by community knowledge because otherwise it takes a bit of experimentation to draw those conclusions yourself certainly not something that you'd come to on your own immediately on seeing the beacon gui it's it's not as effective as written instructions and same with like snow golem iron golem even the wither like i mean i'm i know how to build them but i'm blanking on how i learned i'm pretty sure it was another youtube you know video yeah not not in game um i like the idea of it and they've done some good jobs with uh nether portals ruined nether portals now give a solid indication to the player by the way if you arrange obsidian in a big box you know it might do something mm -hmm. um I don't remember if or how they implemented how to construct a conduit outside of maybe the notes for the snapshots. Yeah, no, the, know, the, like, the conduit is one of those ones that doesn't have a a partly constructed version somewhere. And mm, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I think it is something that you have to learn yourself. I think that the most difficult thing to learn about conduits is the fact that you need to have 
a three by three cube of water with the conduit at its center and that you can't activate it by placing a block of the prismarine that you use to build the frame any closer to the conduit than that so like when you first place it you have to place it against a block but you're always having to break that block in order to activate the conduit because if it's got something in the radius of that then it's not going to activate yeah yeah i mean again i think they're cool ideas uh there could be i'm not sure what you could do i mean there's lots of things i think as we've talked about on on the show in terms of you know like uh, spawn proofing areas that are greater than just the torch radius um i'm th even things that are i mean beacons right now are tied to things like speed and regen and and haste so i'm just trying to think about other things that might be might be interesting to the player that could be fun either areas of effect uh or other mobs i don't mind the idea of you know a little bit more fantastical stuff coming in to minecraft like rather than having to breed animals uh or capture animals it would be neat if you also had the option of you know a fantastical creature the la may be a little bit small but maybe if you had something like um you know giving the player a mechanical hoglin to then counteract the hoglins like if you could go into a crimson mm -hmm. forest and build your own you know like build a Maybe it's got like iron and netherite or something in it. And then you ride like a mechanical pig around that can then <laughs> protect you against the ones that are trying to yeet you off the side of a, of a cliff, then that could be kind of cool. Um, so I like the idea more about like building things that become entities. I, I like the golem idea. I like the, cause it, again, like it's, it's fantasy esque, but it doesn't necessarily have to be tied to anyone, you know, particular uh, IP, you know, like it just iron golems and, and snow golems and stuff are uniquely Minecraft and they're fun. And I feel like there could be more stuff like that to add fun and functionality and whimsy into the game. Yeah, I, I feel like most players are expected to create an iron golem just by like decorate uh, or a snow golem rather by decorating for Christmas or something. And like, yeah, they, they find a snow biome. They immediately try to build a snowman. And by that point, if you found out about carved pumpkins, then, you know, you've you've probably got the idea of like, let me put two blocks of snow and a face on the top and then if it magically becomes a snow golem and you don't know about that then that's that's kind of cool um the only place i other, I, I think about multi-block kind of constructs um it, i typically find examples of that stuff in mod packs and if you look at thorncraft as an example of that there are various like altars and things that you have to assemble in order to you know combine elements do some of the more magical imbuing of of artifacts and charge weapons and that kind of stuff to create something new but that's a whole separate system and it's being grafted onto minecraft in a way that minecraft likes to integrate things a bit more subtly and i think the way it does that is by integrating them with existing systems a lot of the time so instead of having like a whole new magic system just drop out of the sky they kind of need to tie it to existing stuff in the game already and so i'm kind of yeah i'm not sure if that's the kind of thing that they'd ever end up considering because that stuff just feels a little bit too out there like it, it doesn't necessarily have a foundation in too much else but you're right i think crafting entities by building them in the same way that we do the wither and the golems is is an, a, a good call i think that's potentially something that yeah it's it's a mechanic that they could maybe build on 
they just have to come up with the right ideas for it really and much as i like the idea of iron hoglin i'm 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 curious about whether that has legs i mean it probably does have legs but you know what i mean I think that's where we'll leave it for today, though. I think we're probably going to uh, hand this one over to the community. And if you have any ideas for maybe old mechanics in Minecraft that you feel like could have taken the game in a weird direction and you have any other thought experiments you want to run by us, then you can, of course, send in an email to the usual address. That's going to be where we wrap up the show. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, please consider putting some value back in. You can do that at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Joining our community, pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can participate in things like the live show recording, which is happening right now in our Discord, the monthly Minecraft audio hangout, which will be coming up later on this month, and we're also having a quarterly hangout soon as well. Uh, we're currently at 334 patrons, which is down three from last week as Patreon does its usual reshuffle, but we're still above that threshold where the monthly Minecraft audio hangout can be a thing. So thank you very much for your support, and special thanks go out to our content engineers hunter 555 jumbo sale and yitz thank you for your support on this episode sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show you can find us at the spawn chunks on twitter and instagram personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast just let a friend know that they can listen on itunes spotify google podcasts and even youtube be sure to leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. That also helps us out. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked on thespawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. And that is where you can get the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where this week I may be spending a lot more time in the one block at a time snapshot. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, so look out for streams Tuesday and Thursday this week. I do behind the scenes work for my YouTube series there, and I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. You can find a link to the Citadel Cafe, my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment there. We talked about Dune on the last episode. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from the Citadel. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and you can hold it all in your hands one block at a time.